Welcome back. I'm Cece Provo. And I'm Allison Markstadt, and you're listening to the Wealth Cap Speaks podcast. In today's episode, we're having a fireside chat with Ella Chase Hyland, co-founder of WealthWorks. She's a sixth generation asset recipient from a hundred plus year family who's experienced the burdens and blessings of complex multi-generational wealth transfer. Ella is a certified CTI coach, a facilitator, mentor, speaker, and a recognized authority on the psychology of leadership and negotiations. Ella, thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you on and learn more about how WealthWorks provides executive coaching tailored specifically for women. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. What does personal and professional coaching represent for WealthWorks? Coaching overall is this ominous term. The industry itself is quite new. So unlike lawyers or medicine with doctors, there's no governing board that really is situating what coaching means. But for us at WealthWorks, the personal and the professional component are integrated because in the multi-generational wealth world and the family dynamics world, all of the parts of our lives are intertwined. So it wouldn't really make sense for us to own only look at one segment of someone's life if we're supporting them. It really is a blend of what's going on in all aspects of your life. So Ella, are you comfortable with the term coach? Is there another term that you prefer using when you think about your work? And how do you approach your clients who might have reservations about enlisting a coach? Coaching, we get people like, are you Tony Robbins? Like, what is happening with the word coaching? I think about it in terms of I grew up as an athlete. So having a coach was something everyone did. Like, you want to be better at what you're doing. You want to have a coach by your side. I mean, I would spend four years training to narrow down my score by like a tenth of a second. And so when I think about coaching, I can situate very reasonably into an athletic component of like, of course, everybody should want to have a coach. In a non-sporting context, the word coaching is sometimes confused with therapy or other modalities. And we like to think about it that like coaching is to therapy, like personal training is to physical therapy. So if you're in therapy, you're trying to heal your past. And in physical therapy, you're trying to like heal something that's gone wrong. But in personal training or in the type of coaching that we do, we start with someone who's fully functioning and we want to get them to elite performance. If you want to take the physicality to the mental component, it's like growing your mind along with growing your muscles like you do in personal training. However, if people are not comfortable with the term coach or don't really know how to situate it, we're often called advocates or mentors to our clients. That's really interesting. And I love that kind of definition and perspective of coaching. As we've come to know you and your partner, Michelle, a bit more, we we know that a lot of your clients are female wealth inheritors. Could you share some insights into common trends or themes that you often see with female inheritors that may cause them to seek out the benefits of working with both of you? Yeah, a lot of the women that we work with struggle around clarity. Who am I? Who am I separate from my family? What do I believe in? What do I want to stand for? A lot of the clients that we see are struggle with confidence. Even Sally Karachek, who used to run Citigroup, now has her own investing group, was a CFO for a Fortune 100 organization and admits publicly that she like didn't understand the status of her own finances. So confidence doesn't just mean that you've got the title or you've got 
the job, but like, how are you actually relating to yourself in a confident way? So between clarity, confidence, and then a lot of our clients are desperately searching for community. Who are other women that are situated like me? Am I alone? Am I the only one going through this? What are other families doing? I think there's a phrase in the world that we run in, and I'd love for this to change in my lifetime, but when you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office. Like, How do we get to the point where we're leveraging each other's learnings such that we can build and grow and look forward as opposed to always repairing what might have gone wrong in the past? So our clients are typically high performers or women who are looking at like what's next, whether it's from a new career, they've just had children and now they're situating their family life. Their kids have just left home and now they're empty nesters and are like, well, I'm not dead yet. What do I want to do now? All the way to divorcees. How do I think about my life now? I've been so attached to ABC and oftentimes within family situations, because as I was saying earlier, it's all so intertwined. It's like, who am I outside of my family system? How do I show up within my family system? And what do I ultimately want for myself or my children or my parents, depending on where you're situated with who's still with us on this planet. I love that insight about finding a community. I don't think a lot of people really stop and think that having substantial wealth can feel isolating to wealth inheritors. I'm curious if you could tell us, because we know you, you know, you and Michelle also work with wealth creators. Is your process different, if at all, if you're working with a wealth inheritor versus a wealth creator? Yeah. And I want to say for Michelle and myself, it's been really interesting because we see ourselves in both roles. Like we're both inheritors ourselves. And then we both created our own wealth and we've worked in male dominated industries. And for women, it's pretty universal. Like for example, the word patriarchy is set up around males. So like the entire structure that we swim in and that we work in, it's like the air we breathe is all built for and by men. So there's a universality. Is that even a word? Yeah. There's universality to what is a female experience. And we all want to be seen, heard, and acknowledged. We want to know we're on the right path. We want to feel confident in ourselves and our decisions. And we want to have the agency and ownership over our own lives. That doesn't necessarily change whether you have wealth or not, but it's a shared experience. The circumstances around it are different. So when I'm talking in the first person about my seven generations and my 500 family members that all get together, that's a very different circumstance than, hey, look, I'm a state planning attorney or I'm a financial advisor and I want to figure out how to navigate the organization that I work in or how do I serve clients better. And I'm curious whether you find there are variances among different generations. So if you're working Mm. with someone in generation two versus generation five. Yeah. So Michelle herself is G2 and I'm G6 or seven. And when we first met, we didn't like show up with our little cards being like, hi, I'm a seventh generation or a second generation inheritor. It's kind of a label that externally people put on us. But her family was asking totally different questions than my family was. To give you an example, at this far down, I have no relationship to the wealth creators. They've been dead for a long time. I can go visit their portraits at museums. But I don't feel restricted by my performance or who I want to be because I'm not judging myself against that person. A G2 person, someone in Michelle's situation, is constantly having questions in her own family around, am I going to be as successful? 
successful as my parents were or my aunt and uncle. Like, how am I going to be different than my brothers or my sisters? Depending on when the wealth was created or the liquidity event, there might be questions for newer money around setting up a foundation or philanthropy or how do you deal with potentially notoriety that you didn't get where me and our clients that are G5, G6, G7, and in some families in Europe much older than that, the questions are a little bit different. It's how do I stop the inertia? How do I separate myself? How do I stand up for what I believe is different if it's different than what the family legacy is? There's so much pressure overtly on legacy that many of our clients just reject the word altogether. It's too much pressure. So while the experience might be similar, the types of questions and the approach of where you're at and the sophistication level of your family governance or how you relate to your family and your money stories is very different. So to take a second to go back to that sense of community, I know that you all engage directly with individuals, but you also kind of create that sense of community by working with groups. Could you explain kind of the the difference between the two and the benefits to each? Sure. So with the individual one-on-one, it's actually two-on-one since Michelle and I tag team and work (laughs) together. (laughs) We really get to like laser focus on addressing your needs. Like what is it that you're up to? What are all the nuances of your family? To the previous question you both posed, the G2 and the G5 scenario is very different. So knowing where you are within the ecosystem and what it is that you want to get out of it would be the focus and the primary objective of working one-on-one with a client. The group has the benefit of being a contribution to others and hearing that you're not alone and being able to crowdsource or share what you're going through. Oftentimes, women, since that's our primary audience, are hesitant to share anything at all and often are like, ah, no one will understand me. We've been ridiculed or criticized for our perspectives and opinions. So we often shut down or we're told to like wait till we're called on. When you cultivate the group and the community experience, there's this physical blossoming that happens. And it's so freaking cool to witness where people start to have these, oh my gosh, I thought I was alone. And these walls start to crumble in the most positive ways. Instead of being held back by what was externally told to you, you get to connect with people in a completely new way. And the new possibility arises and to realize that you're at choice, like don't let your life be happening to you. Have your life be happening for you. This is a good introduction, I think, into my next question, because it sounds like maybe this is your RISE program, or is that something different? So there's two ways that we work in community within the inheritor space. One is the RISE program, which is a six-month small group program. And then the second way is the Worldwide Wisdom Council. So that is a monthly membership organization that is global. We've got women from all over the world that come together for half a day a month and process issues that they're going through, share and care. Whereas the group program, Michelle and I are leading content and curriculum, and then the connectivity is built into that coaching container. Both sound very interesting and extremely beneficial. For those listeners who have an interest or a consideration around embarking in an engagement with an executive coach or with WealthWork, are there tips that you could provide the listeners that would help them identify their specific needs and align with the appropriate person to help them, such as you all? 
regardless of whether you're going to come hang out with us cool cats over at WealthWorks or elsewhere, the shout out that I would give is to be up to something bigger than yourself. Michelle and I believe that the privilege that comes with being born into what we were born into also comes with a responsibility. And we really believe that you don't get a choice of whether you make an impact. It's just whether it's going to be positive or negative. And so getting out into the world, taking a step away, taking a pause, taking a break to really invest in yourself, in your growth helps you show up for you. But like the airplane metaphor, put on your mask before helping others. Like you can't show up to your spouse or your kids or your parents until you're really clear about what your backbone stands for. Like what is your heart saying? And so my first tip would be get curious. Like really you deserve it. You earned it. The fact that you're here on this earth, breathing air at this moment means that you're worthy and you're worth it. Find somebody who's going to push and stretch you, but also gets you. I don't want to work with anybody that doesn't like resonate with me or vice versa. I'm not going to hire somebody that doesn't. So it's taking the time to figure out if you're a good personality fit. And then there's this lingo in the coaching world that I'd offer to your audience, which is the little A agenda and the big A agenda. So what we do in all of our engagements, whether it's one-on-one or group is we sit down in the beginning and we look at whatever the length of time is going to be and what it is that you want to accomplish. And that's our big A agenda. So we are going to have metrics and measures around making sure that that big A agenda is met. So for us, that looks like clarity. Who am I and what am I up to? Confidence. Now that I know what I want, how do I show up that way? communication. Most of that is actually about listening and not specifically about speaking. But I can tell you that your family is used to the way that you were. And as soon as you start showing up differently, they're going to have some questions. So like, how are you prepared for that component? And then the connection, which is community bringing people together. Like we love matching people with women who they would never otherwise ordinarily meet. So if like, that's what you're up to, we're a really good fit. But knowing that there's a growth mindset, this is based on Carol Dweck's work. There's plenty of people who have written books since then, but you really need to believe that you can learn new skills, new tools and show up in new ways. Otherwise it won't matter who you pick as a coach. It's really going to be generated from your internal desire to change, show up and impact. Thank you, Ella, for sharing your valuable insights into your personal work and giving us an intimate look at WealthWorks. We really love what you do. We think it's very powerful that you focus on females and females inheritors. And we look forward to having you back again for another podcast episode. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I'd love to leave your listeners with this African proverb that Michelle shared with me several years ago, and we use it as a tenant of our work, which is if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And we really believe that like people are not islands. We are wired for connection and we're impact driven and we have to really get honest with ourselves. So find your people and push yourself and get out there. There's so much more for us all to contribute and enjoy from life. Well, we are so glad we found you and Michelle and WealthWorks and look forward to moving forward together. Thank you.